We've been walking through this last few weeks about 2020 vision. And if you haven't figured it out yet, I believe in the importance of having a vision. I believe that there's a reason that God gave us two eyes in the front and none in the back is because it's more important for us to see where we're going than where we've been. And so if, 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 if this thing that we do, if it's just about our needs and, and our felt circumstances, if that's all there is to it, then, then really we're just, what we're really doing is we're just walking through some what I'm, I'm going to call a, a cosmic survival exercise. I don't know about you, but I want more out of life than that. I don't want to just go through just to exist, just to survive, just to make it through the next day and the next season and just get by. I believe that when we strive to fulfill a God-sized vision, that's when we're truly living. I'm going to say that again. I believe that we're striving to live out a God-sized vision. That's when we're truly living. Ever had one of those moments that it may have been one of the most difficult moments in your life, one of the things that you've had to push through, and, and you're in the midst of something that is hard work, and it seems like your, your plate is almost too full, but yet you're having those moments that you know that you're right where you're supposed to be, and you're doing what exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And in those moments, they're so fulfilling. And yet so many times we settle for so much less than that. Last week we defined vision as clearly seeing what God desires. And we said that vision without action is a daydream. And action without vision is a nightmare. You know, vision, if it's not acted upon, all we're doing is fantasizing about what could be. But if we just have action without vision or direction, then it's just chaos. See, God, I believe, has a vision for his church. And it's real simple. It's for, his, for the people of this world to encounter his son and the work that his son did on the cross. That's his vision. That's his desire for the whole world. And every other vision, everything that we do, needs to be in alignment underneath that vision. But the fulfillment of that vision does not look the same for every single church or every single individual. I'll give an example. Next Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday, right? And whether or not you're a football fan doesn't matter. I'm just making a point here. There's two teams right now, out of all the ones that started out with it, there's two teams right now that still have a vision of hoisting up that Lombardi trophy as Sunday night comes to a wrap-up next week. But how they do that is different. Now, that's the goal of the whole team, but for the quarterback, his part of that vision is to make sure that he handles the ball well without mistakes. His part of that vision is to make sure that he's accurate with his throws and that he throws some touchdown passes and doesn't turn the ball over and so forth, and that's a big part of that. But if you're the right guard, your vision isn't to throw touchdown passes. Your vision is to block well enough that the quarterback has the time to fulfill 
his part of the vision. And it's really the same way with us. God has this overarching vision to reach the world so that the world can know the sacrifice that was made by his son so that people can come to the cross and give their lives to Christ. That's the big part of the vision that is laid out there in front. But each and every one of us as as individuals, we have a smaller piece of that vision. Each and every one of us as, as various churches, we have a way or a flavor or however you would say that that part of that vision would look and it doesn't always look exactly the same. And how many know that it's not supposed to? But vision is important. We've talked about ours. <laughs> if you think about it, even the apostles after Jesus ascended had differing parts of the fulfillment of the vision. Peter was boisterous and many times came across as the spokesperson of the group. And if you look at it and you read the personalities of the different apostles, they were different individuals. They weren't all the cookie-cutter same. John, part of his vision that Jesus gave him was to carry, was to care for his mother Mary. If you remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he looked down at John and said, and said, pointed to Mary and said, This is your mother and this is your son. In other words, I'm out of here. You this is your responsibility. And then we know that as later on as John wrote that many times what he dealt with, his, his focus as a part of the vision for the whole of the church, his focus was on loving one another and being careful, making sure the doctrine was pure and right. Then you take Paul. Paul had a very unusual encounter. Paul's the one that kind of showed up out of left field. Because he was headed to destroy the church and he had this vision on the road to Damascus and things were changing. He wrote so much of what we read as scripture and God used him in that area. And yet we know that many of his writings, much of his focus was to try to take the Jews and the Gentiles that were now a part of the church and make them into one church. And that was full of stuff that he dealt with a lot. So what I'm saying here is there can be one vision, but that means that each of us as individuals have our own little part of that vision. Us as a church have a part of that vision. Paul reminds us that we're all members of one body, yet we are still individuals. We're created, and there's, but there's an overarching vision If there's a part of that vision that you as individuals, for each of you, there's a place that you fit. God gave you the personality that he gave you for a reason. Now, that's never an excuse not to work on being better. How many know we can all be better? But we all, but God knows your personality. When he called you, when he chose you, he took into account who you are. You know, for me, I had, to, I had to wrestle with that a little bit. When I first felt the call into ministry and into preaching and teaching and doing the things that God called me into, I had a little bit of a misconception. I was like, Lord, I am not a rope around, stomp, spit, hellfire, and brimstone, scream at the top of my lungs individual. God didn't bless me with a Jason-type booming voice. 
I have to have a microphone or nobody would hear me. But you know what God did? God didn't make me into the storm that mountain, no matter how many bodies are left in the wake to accomplish the goal. You already made me for. I see individuals. People matter to me. He made me steady and consistent. And he made me where I want to take everybody along on the journey that I can possibly get along on that journey. I know that he created me to pastor. I may not ever stand up into a, in front of a huge crowd of thousands and, and, and see those kind of things happen. But I know what he called me to do, and that's my place, and that's my purpose. And what I'm saying is, is each and every one of us, we have our place. We have our purpose. We have our part of the vision. I love what Jason and them are doing. I mean, there's just something about when you go on some of the best missions trips I've been on have been more work than, than, than teaching or preaching. There's just something about when we get involved, all of us have things that we bring to the table. And when we figure out who we are and what our part of the vision is, while our role in the vision, it fits and a personality should fits, but it doesn't mean that we should be comfortable. How many know a God-sized vision is always uncomfortable? You can be right in the middle of your giftings, and it's always going to be uncomfortable. How many know that God, if we do this thing right, he's going to continue to stretch you and stretch you and stretch you, and just when you're like, oh, I finally got everything where I'm comfortable and I like it the way it is, he's going to say, okay, now it's time for stretching round 16. He desires to, but he wants for us to move forward. A God-sized vision should be uncomfortable. There are things that God wants us to accomplish at this church, as a church that I look at, and and, at times, can I be just honest? At times I see the vision, and it's just like, yeah, we can get there. We can do that. It's so clear. Here we go. And then there's times that very same vision, I'm just looking at it, and I'm going, Lord, how in the world? And it seems so overwhelming. But the good news is, he's the same no matter which way I feel. And we need to grab hold of what he's called us to do and what he's called us to be. Hebrews 12, 1, I'm not going to read the whole, the whole thing, but the last part says this. It says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Some translations say the race marked out for us. See, my race doesn't look the same as your race. My part of the vision is not the same as your part of the vision. Church on the other side of town, their part of the vision for God's kingdom isn't necessarily the same as our vision. And just because there's a little bit of difference doesn't mean that necessarily that one's right and one's wrong. It's just a different part. 
It's a different position. It's a different place. And what we have to do as individuals is we have to come together and we're made up of this body of believers. And I'm so glad that you're here with us this morning. But we have to find, okay, what is our vision for the church and where is my part within that vision to make that happen? Because we all have our own leg to run. So what does it look like for this church, for this body of believers? Two years ago, we laid it out. We defined it a little bit more, and we, we said that we want to be a place where people encounter God. We want to be a place that embraces people. We want to be a place where people experience serving, and we want to engage the lost. And when I finished up last week and was stepping into this week to speak, that was my plan for us to revisit those four things. But that was my plan. As I begin to look at that, no matter how hard I tried, every one of those you may hear get a little stubborn sometimes. No matter how hard I tried, I couldn't get past the first one. Encounter God. See, I love the book of Acts. So when you read it, what do you see? You see the encounters with God that the early church and individuals had. If we were to act more like the early church, I believe we'd see more encounters like the early church. So we say encounter, what do we mean? Literally, the definition of encounter is to come upon face-to-face or to experience. The early church experienced encounters with God. It was the norm. It was, it was what they connected to. It's what they thrived on. They took Jesus at his word, and they believed that God would respond, and God did respond. I saw just, I guess it's been a couple of weeks ago now, that Reinhard Bonnke passed away and went on to be with the Lord. I've only heard him speak one time in person, but he made a quote at that point that I, you've, some of you have heard me say this before. I'm going to say it again, and you will probably hear it multiple more times as long as you hang around. But he said this, he said, if we preach the original gospel as original power, we'll get the original results. We're supposed to be a people of encounter. And even this week, as I... As I looked at it, I kept, I kept trying to come up with some clever way to say this, but I couldn't come up with anything clever. All I could come up with is we must be a church of God encounters. Simple, plain, but it's what we've got to be. We've got to be a church of God encounters. Because we're, as I talked a couple weeks back, we're in a war. There's a battle that's going on. It's a war for souls. It's a war for souls in your family. It's a war for souls in our community. It's a war for souls in the world around us. But one day, I do know this, 
one day that enemy that has been a pain in our rear our whole lives, the one that comes against us again and again, we're going to get to be there and we're going to get to see when he is bound for the last time and cast down never to be a problem again. But I love what it says in Revelation 12:11. Right on the heels of that scene it says this. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony for they love not their lives even unto death. And we know that it's done by the blood of the lamb. But there's that other part, the word of their testimony. Your testimony is important. But what is your testimony? Your testimony is the story of your God encounter. There is nothing as powerful as your story of your God encounter. If somebody knows you, if somebody loves you, and they know what you once were and what you now are, and you walk through this thing and you tell your story, that story is powerful. And the great thing about that story is that story can lead them to their God encounter so that they have their testimony and they have their story. How many know that a fresh, powerful testimony can be an incredible thing? Just last Sunday, after we were wrapping up church and, and leaving, I was, I was handed a little note that we had a, a young lady that was here last, last Sunday, and I was here this morning, so I don't have permission to put her on the spot, so more news is, is coming on that. But we had a young lady that finally said, you know what, I want to give my life to Christ. And so now we're looking at a water baptism date to make that because of that encounter. She now has her testimony. That's part of God's vision. That's what he desires. We need to create other testimonies. We must be a church of God encounters because the early church was built on it. But anytime we endeavor to be an encounter center, there's always, it's always going to face opposition. How many know that there's going to be spiritual opposition? How many know that sadly sometimes there's internal opposition? Sometimes you get talking about really being a place where there's God encounters and things happen. Somewhere along the line, somebody's liable to come along and say, what happened to my cute little church? Lord forbid we ever become a place that we, that we want things just so, so a certain way where we're comfortable. Being stretched is so important. So what God encounter the early church fits us today? As I was going through, like I told you, I got stuck. I got stuck on Acts 4, 29 through 31. This isn't going to be the most deep theological message you ever heard. I am literally going to take this short passage of Scripture, and we're going to break it down. 
Acts 4, 29 through 31. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. I couldn't get past that. I kept circling that and circling that and circling that. And I began to see some things that unfolded there. A little bit of a backstory on that. This is, this is right on the heels. Disciples were on their way to the temple and there was this man that had been crippled from birth sitting there begging for money. And most of you know the story. They looked at him. Peter said, silver and gold I don't have, but such as I have I give you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And a miracle took place. I mean, people couldn't argue. Everybody knew this guy. Everybody had seen him begging, and now all of a sudden, he's just not up walking around. Literally, the Bible describes him jumping with joy. It talks about that, that he almost wouldn't let go of them, as if to say, somehow, if I let go of these guys, this, this miracle may quit working. And he's following them. And so you can just imagine this visual. And it creates a stir. And so the crowd gathers. You know, obviously, they're not going to, to pass this opportunity, so they begin to preach. Next thing you know, they're called in before the Sanhedrin, and they're kind of put on the spot. And all of a sudden, they're being grilled, and they're being threatened, and they're being told not to teach anymore in that name and, to, and to, to cut this stuff out. But at the same time, they could only go so far because every one of them was even looking at each other and saying, but we can't deny that a miracle took place. And so literally right on the heels of them being grilled for that, and you have to understand, in that time being brought before the Sanhedrin, that was a very, very scary thing. They were the ones that could reap, heap all kinds of wrath on you. And so they were threatened, don't speak in this name anymore. And so right on the heels of that, they go back. And they report to the others as what's going on. And right then and there, they prayed that prayer that we just read. They said, Lord, you see the threats that's being breathed out against us. And what I love about this, and what I want to point out is, even in the midst of that, what is the first thing they did? They prayed for the vision. They knew the vision was to spread the gospel. So instead of backing down, they said, Lord, Lord, grant your servants to continue to speak the word with all boldness. Don't let us be intimidated by this. Don't let us back down. Let us continue to keep the vision, the main thing, continue to, to keep going. Let us keep the focus. Think about that. 
They prayed that with divine expectancy. They expected God to honor that request. This wasn't a, Lord, they threatened me, they hurt my feelings kind of prayer. This, this, was, this was more of a my daddy can beat, you, beat up your daddy kind of prayer. And I wonder, and please understand where I'm coming from today. I, I, I am all. I understand. There's an important. There's a time that we bring our needs and our hurts and our things before God because I understand God loves us that much and He cares about those things. But I think sometimes we can get so caught up in in some of those things sometimes that we forget to pray for the power to fulfill the vision. We forget to pray for God encounters. We forget to say, Lord, they're threatening. I pray, I'm asking for more boldness. And so they prayed that. And here's the great thing. God answered that prayer. They prayed, Lord, help us to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Then what does it say? It says, after they prayed, the place that they were meeting at was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. God answered that prayer. But notice something. They prayed first, and then the God encounter. It's so easy. If I were to ask, probably every, I'm not going to ask, I'm not going to do this, but if I were to ask, probably every one of us would raise their hand and say, oh, we want a God encounter. We want God to move in the church. When was the last time you actually asked for it? When was the last time you really spent time on your face saying, God, give us the boldness to speak your word? Lord, let us be a church where we encounter you. When was the last time that became a priority? We're supposed to be a house of prayer. I'm I'm trying not to just be all stomping on everybody's stuff today. But I want us to kind of get, wake up and look at things from a little different perspective and realize that God desires to move And we need to be a people that pray and ask for him to move. Because the place where they were at was shaky. I mean, God didn't just show up and do something. God shook the place. Now, I don't know what that looked like or what that felt like, but can you imagine literally being in a place where the place you're in is shaken? We'd probably all be jumping online to see if we had some kind of earthquake hit the area. But the place was shaking. God showed up. God did something. And the question is not, will God shake the room when he, when he meets with us, but rather will we recognize God's presence in whatever form it comes? Because sometimes God shakes the place. Sometimes he comes in just a loving, gentle, overwhelming presence that you just can't get low enough. There's multiple ways that God encounters happen. 
It's not always the super dramatic, although it is always powerful. And we need to position ourselves as people to be people that put ourselves in position that ask for God encounters, not just for ourselves, but for those around us. The greatest thing that can happen was be people come in and say, you know what, I don't know if I understand all that stuff. I don't know if I understand why they jump up and down when they sing that song or whatever. But all I know is I feel something different than I felt before. We need encounters with the living God. We need to be shaken. We need God to shake us free from some sin. Sometimes we get a little too comfortable with things that we know that we shouldn't have our fingers in. We need to be shaken from some dried up practices. Just because we've always done it that way doesn't mean that that's part of his vision for today. We need to be shaken loose of some of our little comfort zone boxes. We need to be shaken until we see that the kingdom can't be shaken. Because there's a foundation that we have that is unshakable. So you cannot have an encounter with God Almighty and remain the same. Either surrender or you reject and walk away. But you will never, ever be the same we must be a church of God encounters then I love what it says next it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit I want you to think about that these are people that were already filled with the Holy Spirit these were these were people that, I mean, obviously there had just been a miracle that had taken place through the power of the Holy Spirit when he made this statement, silver and gold, I don't have, but such as I have, I give you. You can't give out what you don't have. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. So they were already filled with the Spirit. So what took place in that moment? They were refilled. The tank was topped off. And we know that it's important because in Luke 24, 49, Jesus told them before he left, he said, And behold, I am sending you the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. See, there's something about being filled. There's something about being energized. And it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. You know what? We've got the finest thing going. Yes, there's all kinds of religions all over this planet. But we have the one where it says, For God so loved he gave. We have the one that the vision is to reach the world, but not reach the world through destruction or violence, but to reach the world through love because Jesus loved We have the one where he says, I will give you my spirit to empower you and to help you do this. Man, I'm meddling this morning. But sometimes we seek God 
and we're filled with the Spirit, Lord, forgive me for this, but it's almost like you're like, okay, I got that merit badge now. I can move on. We're supposed to be continually being filled. We're supposed to be refilled. I've got a dream. It'll probably never, ever happen. But I'm still holding out just a little bit of hope. I don't know why. But I really, really, really would love if money were an option. I would love to have a Dodge Challenger. Not a priority. I'm not going to go, but I mean, I just, yeah. But if I did, brand new with all the stuff, and it sat out there, and it looked good, and it had all that potential, and I could look at how fast it it would say I could get from zero to 60, Matter of fact, Billy's doctor used to have, I've got to tell the story real quick. Billy's doctor used to have a Hellcat. And we went to breakfast one morning and was sitting there. And so um, after breakfast, I walked out and I, I got to look at it a little bit. And, and uh, Billy finally drove off and I'm in my car and I'm answering a couple of text messages and so forth. And all of a sudden, there's a knock on my window. I look up and it's the doctor. And he goes, I don't know what I was thinking. Do you want to go for a ride? I thought, I'm telling on myself here, but well, it wasn't really me, but I thought we were just going to do a little scoot down the road there. So we get in, I get in, he turns on to 276, and it's the middle of the day, so there's hardly any traffic. Next thing I know, he's flying through the gills, and I look over, gears, and I look over, we're doing 130. No lie. In a hurry. I mean, it was like I was pinned against the seat. I think, okay, he slows down, turns around, makes a U-turn. I'm thinking, okay, we'll coast back to the restaurant. Nope, 130 back. I guess he figured he could afford this ticket. I don't know. There's a lot of potential there. My point I'm making is this. It's not, it wasn't going to go anywhere. It was just going to be potential unless there was fuel in the tank. And too many times as believers, we just want to coast along and we don't push ourselves even for those personal God encounters that keep our tank refreshed and refilled. As I said, they couldn't give out to that man that was begging what they didn't have in. And the truth is, we all have leaky tanks. And we go through life and we go through our stuff and we face the things in life and and we can get a little dry and we can be trying to pour out when all we have on the inside is vapors. They were refilled, and God used them to do incredible things. They had the boldness. 
God backed it up with the signs and the wonders. We read what happened after that point that they just, they were not intimidated. And they walked in that and they spoke the word of God boldly and signs and wonders did follow them where they went. And I love what they said. They didn't just pray for against the threats. They said this. They said, will you stretch your, out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. We have to get back to being a place of God encounters. And it takes boldness to pray the big prayer. Because when you're full of the Spirit, it's much easier to stand there when, you know, because... Uh, it's so easy when we come across a situation, a circumstance, and somebody begins to spill their guts to you, and whether it's in a store or someplace, and they begin to explain the things that are going on in their lives. And it's so easy for us to, to do the, the Christian thing and say, well, I'll be praying for you, brother. I'll be praying for you, sister. Why not stop and pray for them? Right then and there. Ask for the big prayer. Ask for the healing. Sometimes God will do it, not just for them, but to show you that he'll do it through you. Years ago, we were doing, I mean, years and years ago, we were doing a crusade at at another church, and we had a young man that was with us, and by the name of Mikey that was, uh, he, he would go and he would help us with things. And Mikey had a little bit of a, a rough background, but we were trying to help him along and, and keeping him involved in things we were doing. And, and we had, we gave an altar call. Now this was, this was a big kids crusade. So it was, it was kids that came down, but there was this kid that came down to Mikey for prayer because we made Mikey work the altars. And the kid came down and asked for prayer. And Mikey was stuck. So Mikey prayed for the kid. The next night, the kid comes back, and he comes up to Mikey, and God had performed a miracle in the kid's life. Mikey was floored that God used him to touch that kid's life. God desires that for all of us. When there's a circumstance that comes up, don't look for somebody else to pray. Rise up and be the man and woman of God and and take hold of that situation and pray the prayer of faith. Ask God to stretch forth his hand and perform miracles on that person's behalf. Because we need to be an encounter center. I'm going to ask our worship team to come back. I hope you understand my heart this morning. It's not about, this may not even be the most dynamic message I've ever preached. But all I know is what I see right there in those few short verses is such a picture of the vision.
right then and there. Because I see so many similarities. In a moment, I'm going to get them to lead us back into worship just to set the atmosphere. And then I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge us to pray and ask God to make this a place of encounter for people, for us, and for those around us. But look at the similarities. Oh, we may not be called into the Sanhedrin. They may not be threatening to whip our backs. But how many know the environment that we're in today, we're not that far away from that. Oh, you can't say those things. You can't speak out against that. That's hate speech. If you keep going, we're going to take away your 501c3. There's threats that are out there. And either we bow to those things, or we say, you know what? Lord, you see what they're saying? But your vision is still your vision. And Lord, I ask you to stretch forth your hand. You see the threats that are being spoke out. You see what we're facing in the world today. Lord, I ask you to give us more boldness. Is there anybody here that thinks you don't need more boldness? Okay, good. Nobody's raising their hands, so I'm I'm believing that means all of you going, yeah, I need boldness. I'm going to take that as a yes. Grant your, grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Let's talk. Let's take a moment and pray over the environment that we find ourselves in today in our culture. Let's pray that the Lord would, despite those things, despite what people say, that we would be a people that would not be afraid to speak his word boldly and that God himself would grace us with the boldness to do that. Let's pray that. Father, we do come before you today. Lord, we lift you up. Lord, we exalt your name. Lord, you see the day and the time and the environment and the place in which we live. You see the things that are said that we can't do this and we're not supposed to do that and those kind of things. But Lord God, you are sovereign. You are still on the throne. You are in charge. And Lord, it is better to obey you than to obey man. And so Lord, we ask you today, Lord Jesus, to to help us to, to rise up and to give us renewed boldness, Lord, as a church. Give us renewed boldness as individuals to be the people that we're supposed to be, that we will share your word boldly, Lord, that when the opportunity, when you open up the opportunity, when we're facing that person and they ask the right question, then we won't shy up. We won't shy. We won't step back. But, Lord, we'll speak out your word and we'll speak it boldly so that the world can be changed. Lord, people need an encounter with you. We ask you to do that. Lord, and while we're praying that, while you stretch out your hand to heal and sign as wonders are performed, Through the name of your holy servant, Jesus, 
Lord, your word declares that signs and wonders shall follow those that believe. And we become a little too accustomed, Lord, to not being a place where people encounter you. Lord, when people encounter you, things happen. Where you are, miracles take place. And so, Lord, we're not seeking signs. We're seeking you. And we ask you to have your way. But we ask you to stretch forth your hand. We ask you to move among us. Lord, I pray. Lord, you see these people. Would you, if, you, if, you, if you're asking for this, why don't you raise your hands right now. Lord, you see these people that have their hands raised. Lord, I pray that you touch them. Lord, I pray that you would empower them. Lord, it's not just about certain individuals. It's about the body of Christ. And so, Lord, I pray you that you see these hands that are raised and that you will use these hands to be laid upon the sick and the sick shall recover. That you will use these hands, Lord Jesus, to to be a hand extended, a hand up, a hand out, a, a way forward, but Lord, also that you would use them, Lord, that they would speak your word boldly, but Lord, that signs and wonders would fall, that you would stretch forth your hand to heal, and that those things would take place, Lord. You are a God of miracles, and you meant for your people to be a people that walk in the fullness of your spirit, Lord. Let us be a people that are filled with your spirit, Lord. And it said, and when they pray, the the place they were gathered at was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Lord, let us be. Lord, refill us anew. I want you to ask him in your own words right now to refill you anew. Lord, refill us. Lord, refill us anew with your spirit. Give us a fresh infilling of your spirit. Let us walk in your boldness and in your power and in your name. And let us not back down. Let us not shy away. Let us be a people, Lord, that will embrace you and reach out to you, Lord. Because we need, this needs to be a place where people encounter God. Lord, give us all fresh encounters with you. Lord, let this be, Lord, I pray that from this moment, on, the people will come in and they will encounter you and their lives will be transformed. Lord, we need that. Lord, we desire that. Lord, it's not just something, but we're not looking for some kind of show, but we're looking for the genuine thing. We're looking for a genuine move of God where you're glorified and you're lifted up, that no name is being lifted up but your name, that no one's be exalted but you. And Lord, we ask you, Lord, I want everything that takes place in this building to be real and genuine and right and truly of you. Lord, let us be a place of God encounters. Lord, I ask you to bring these altars to life. Lord, let us see fresh fruit on a weekly basis begin to come forth. Lord, as we are your hands and feet extended, let us bring in others. But, Lord, let them have encounters with you. Lord, I don't want these altars to be dead area anymore. I want your presence to come, and I want you to move among us, Lord, that this would be a place where people can come and have a genuine encounter with you. Nothing false, nothing fake, nothing out of bounds, but it is in full, whole rightness with your word. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Lord, be with us all. Keep us, fill us, watch over us. And Lord, let us, Lord, as we pursue you, Lord, you also see the things that each person here is facing, their own difficulties, their own struggles. Bless them, Lord, and touch their needs. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.
Love you all. Have a blessed day.